You're listening to a Sunday morning message by Authentic Church. Good morning, again. I don't know what your journey was like here today, but we have a seriously short commute. I think it's about less than one minute for us to get here. I wonder if that's one of the shortest commutes in church history. It's one we definitely don't need a sat-nav for. But that reminds me, recently we were on a journey and following our sat-nav down from a trip up to Manchester. We've been driving for a few hours and I asked Tammy, where are we? Tammy responded, I don't know. All the sat-nav was showing us was a few inches of blue line and that was it we had no real idea where we were we just had to have faith that it knew where we were and it was going to get us to where we wanted to go I think sometimes our journey with God is like that So often he only reveals a couple of steps in front of us and ahead of us. And we have to have faith that he knows exactly where we are. And he's going to take us on a route to take us where he ultimately wants us to go. He simply asks us to have faith in his leading and in his directions. Today we're excited because we're starting our new summer series that will take us up to the summer holidays. And the title of our new series is called Journeying with Joshua, Living a Life of Faith. Now for any of you who have followed us or been with us since the beginning, we've described starting Authentic Church as starting a journey of faith. And over the next few months, we're going to look at how Joshua led the Israelites on a journey into the promised land and how God led them. We're going to look at that journey of faith, what happened on the way, what lessons we can learn and apply to our lives and as a fellowship here in Authentic. And I'm just going to pray that the Lord would bless this series. Father God, we are truly on a journey of faith with you. We thank you that you are going to lead us, that you will guide us, that you are going to give us the directions that we need to follow because you know exactly where we are today and exactly the route we need to take to get where you want us to be. Help us to learn from your word. Holy Spirit, bring it alive that we might hear you speaking to us individually and as a church. Lead and guide us, we pray. Amen. So it's important, I always think, to start with a bit of context for for a journey. And as we're going to look at the Israelites' journey into the Promised Land, it's important to know where the Israelites were coming from before they got there. Firstly, it's important to know that Joshua's journey all started with a promise from God. 
And that promise started all the way back with Joshua's descendant, Abraham. God promises uh, to Abraham that he will give them Canaan as an everlasting possession. And not only to Abraham, but to his descendants after him. And God repeats that promise to Abraham's son, Isaac, and to Isaac's son, Jacob. Now, while it started with a promise, there were a number of key events that happened on the route to entering the promised land. And that's what we're going to look at today is getting to that first step before they enter the promised land. Now, I don't know about you, but when um, we plan a trip, quite often we'll build in waypoints that break up the journey or they mark key route changes. And for Tammy and I, over the last few years, we've been spending a, a number of times going up to Sheffield, where our children, our kids, our grown-up kids have been going to university. And there's a particular McDonald's we always stop at. Other fast food vendors are available. But we know where it, where it is, we know when it's coming, and it's just perfect to stop, have something to eat, and have that important loo break. That's our waypoint we look forward to. And today I want to look at two particular waypoints the Israelites took before entering the promised land. The first I want to look at is the 400 years spent in Egypt. And the second is the 40 years spent in the wilderness. So what happened in Egypt? After God promised Abraham and then later Isaac and Jacob, that he would take them into the promised land, a severe famine hits the land. And God, working through Joseph's intervention, directs Jacob to go to Egypt, to see out the famine. And he confirms that to him in a vision at night, because Jacob took a little persuading. In Genesis we read, I am God, the God of your father, he said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you, and surely I will bring you back again. A quick observation here is that in going to Egypt, they were getting further away from the promised land than when they started off. Now that takes faith. I wonder, has that ever happen to you, that the very thing you feel called to do, the very promise you stand on, seems to get further away and not closer. And if so, then you're in good company, because this is exactly what happens to Jacob. So they set off and they arrive in Egypt, all 70 of them. And Pharaoh is super pleased and kind to them. He doesn't just direct them to live anywhere, but he leads them to live in the very best area called Goshen. And God blesses them. We read in Genesis 47 that they acquired property there and were fruitful and increased greatly in number. In Exodus 1, it tells us they were so numerous, they filled the land. 
And let's just look at what that numerous looks like. Bearing in mind, they left with 70 and arrived with 70. And when they leave, they leave with 600,000 men. And if we add in their wives and children, that's an estimated community of 2.4 million people. They arrive with 70 they leave with 2.4 million. When God says, and the word says, they were fruitful and increased greatly in number, I can't help but feel that's a slight under-exaggeration. Wow, what a blessing. Jacob had faithfully followed God's instruction and journeyed to Egypt in faith. And I wonder, could life get any better? Unfortunately, not. In Exodus 1, we read that a new king comes to power. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, they will join with our enemies and fight against us and leave the country. He carries on in Exodus 1 verse 11. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labour. But God keeps blessing their growth, even while they're being persecuted. So again, the king continues in verse 14. They made their lives bitter with harsh labour, in brick and mortar and with all kinds of works in the field, in their harsh labour. The Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. That's a tough word, ruthlessly. And these conditions didn't just last for four months. They didn't last for four years. They didn't last for 40 years, but they lasted for 400 years. If we look back 400 years, that's the 1600s. And if we look forwards 400 years, I don't even know how we'll say this in the future because I won't be here, but it'll be 2422. I can't imagine 400 years, but that is how long they suffered. I wonder how the Israelites felt. They went to Egypt in obedience to God and they were being blessed. And then a new come comes along and it all changes. Now, I don't know about you, when things go wrong, through no obvious fault on my part, I can get quite miffed. What did I do wrong now? I can get quite animated with God, especially when it goes on for a long time. I can imagine for those Israelites, some of them blamed God Some of them maybe lost their faith in God. Or maybe some of them simply accepted that this was their lot. 
I wonder how many clung to their faith and the promise of God to their ancestors. What we do know is that some turned to follow the gods and idols of Egypt. Something God forbid. And I wonder why. Did they try to fit in and blend in in hope that their persecutors would relent? We cannot know for certain, but we do know that God did not forget his promise. We know that God remembered. And more than that, we know that God saw what was going on. And ultimately, God exhibited mercy. And his rescue plan took place in calling a man called Moses. And with him, he would use him to rescue the Israelites. Ezekiel 3, the Lord says to Moses, I have seen how cruelly my people are being treated in Egypt. I have heard them cry out to be rescued from their slave drivers. I know all about their suffering. And so I have come down to rescue them from the Egyptians and to bring them out of Egypt to a spacious land, one which is rich and fertile, Canaan. I can't be sure why he waited four hundred years. Maybe because of their idolatry. Maybe he wanted them to grow from 70 to millions. Maybe he was waiting for Moses to be born because there was no one else he felt that could lead his people and trust him. What can we learn from this? God had a plan for Israel to take them into Canaan. But first, he took them further away from it. Not only that, but it would take 400 years for them to restart their journey. But God kept his promise. Maybe this morning you feel further away from God than when you first started off. But God still sees you, even if you cannot see him. Even if you are far away from him and engaged in things and following things you shouldn't be. He will always show you mercy and love. You might be thinking, well, where's my Moses? You don't need another Moses. God sent his only son. He sent Jesus to rescue us. So if you're feeling in slavery and bondage today, then like the Israelites, cry out to Jesus. He will rescue you. So the journey gets restarted. Moses leads the people and God miraculously frees them. God parts the Red Sea and they are free. They are on their way to Canaan, to the land God had promised to take them to and to give them. I don't know about you, but when I read this story, I get excited. They're on their way. We read in Numbers 13. 
that the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. So Moses sends out 12 spies. One of them is Joshua and one of them is Caleb. And when they return, they give a glowing and troubling report. And this is what it says. We went into the land in which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with them said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. Isn't it interesting? They all saw the same thing. But one group saw it through the eyes of faith. Another group saw it through eyes of fear. It goes from bad to worse. Numbers chapter 14 tells us, and it's called, The People Rebel. If only we had died in Egypt. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Wow. 400 years of ruthless persecution. And they want to go back. For Joshua, this was the last straw. He tore his clothes and said to the entire assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is God, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. He spoke with eyes of faith. Now, I might have found that quite rousing if I was with them. But what was their response? Were they persuaded? Did they exercise faith? Did they choose to trust God? And did they listen to Joshua? No. Instead, the whole assembly talked about stoning them. That was God's final straw. And what should have taken a simple 11-day journey into Canaan took 40 years wandering around in the wilderness. 40 years before God would finally take them into Canaan. Fear over faith won out. On reflection, I think that 12 spies were sent out, two 
wanted to exercise faith and 10 didn't. The 10 won out. They were all part of the same group. They were all in it together. They had a shared experience of seeing God deliver them out of Egypt. They'd all crossed the Red Sea together. Two had faith. Ten had fear. It made me think it must have been hard to exercise faith for the two When all the people around you that you share your life with, you've shared experiences with, had a different view. It must have been very tempting for them to just join in with the ten. But Joshua and Caleb stood up for what they believed, even at the risk of being stoned. Are we prepared to stand up for our faith when all around us isn't? The other thing I find particularly sad is the Israelites are so afraid of what is in front of them that they would rather go back to the past. They wanted to choose the pain of the past rather than trust in God for a life of plenty. If you find yourself today living in the past rather than in the plenty seeking God, then call out to him today. God promises us to take us into a land and life lived in his presence. Jesus promises us a full life lived to overflowing not lived in a past full of pain and regret. So, in conclusion, we are all on a journey. Personal journeys of life and faith and a journey together as a church. We have a bold purpose as a church to continue what Jesus started. Yes, we might be a small church now, but we have big dreams. We aspire to be a large church with big realities. We want to be a church where the presence of God impacts positively on all those who come into contact with it. And not just those inside these walls, but outside in the community around us. We believe God is calling us onwards into our promised land and his promise still stands. He will go before us and be with us. So the questions I pose to us is, are you ready to look with eyes of faith at the journey before us? Are you ready to leave behind the past Are you ready to continue what Jesus started? Are you ready to start this journey of faith?